Eric Metaxas Show with your host, Eric Metaxas. Uh-oh, it's time. Folks, it's time. I warned you we would have some substantive conversations today. No more joking around. That's it. Albin, don't make me... We're going to get substantive. Um, we have had this guest on before. His name is uh, Neil Thomas, University Professor Neil Thomas. Uh, he has a new book out called Taking Leave of Darwin. A longtime agnostic discovers the case for design. I want to, I want to read what this says so you, to, so you understand what we're talking about. Um, University Professor Neil Thomas was a committed Darwinist and committed agnostic until an investigation of evolutionary theory led him to a startling conclusion. I had been conned. As he studied the work of Darwin's defenders, he found himself encountering tactics eerily similar to the methods of political brainwashing he had studied as a scholar. Not that there's anything wrong with brainwashing. We just want to be clear. We're not judging uh, communist brainwashers or the democratic establishment. I want to be very clear. We're not political. Um, in any case, uh, Neil Thomas felt compelled, he says, impelled to write a book as a sort of warning call to humanity. Beware, you've been fooled. Really uh, thrilled to have him back with us. Neil Thomas, welcome. Nice to be with you again. I um, The book is Taking Leave of Darwin. You, I, I just want to get this clear. So most of your life, you were indeed a committed uh, agnostic or atheist and certainly a committed Darwinist. When and how did you decide that you wanted to, to, to look into this, uh, so to speak? Well, it, it was um, when I had the leisure to do so, I think, when uh, after retirement. Did you say leisure? And, uh, reading a few... Well, leisure. <laughs> you said Free leisure. Time. We say leisure, but I want you to know oh. that we don't mind uh-huh. if you say leisure. In fact, we prefer it. <laughs> we should be clear with the audience. You, uh, you don't just sound uh, English. You are, in fact, in England as we speak. I am indeed. Yes, okay. west of London. Yeah. I want. Yeah. I want to be. I want to be clear. You're in England. So thanks for for tuning in. I know the the uh, the time change uh, complicates things, but so. For the first time in your life, you, you had the opportunity, the time, the leisure, as you put it, to do it. And were you – I always say when people are surprised by something – I mean, I, I, obviously you were surprised by what you encountered. But this is a strange question. Were you surprised to be surprised? Yes, I think so. Um, because after a long life, you would have, have thought that I would have twigged this already. Um, and and I, I think I was culpable to the extent that I hadn't actually investigated this as, as I should have. But isn't, um, that, isn't that the point? You didn't think you needed to investigate it. You thought it was settled. There are so many things that many of mm-hmm. us think are settled, and we do not mm-hmm. investigate because I think that's preposterous. Do I need to investigate yeah. whether the earth is flat? I don't think so. I don't think I need mm. to bother with that. Um, mm-hmm. Most people feel that way about Darwinian uh, evolution. The idea that uh, it's a hoax or it's confused or there are intellectual issues with it, that seems to be the precinct of loonies like Eric Metaxas. We don't want to go there. So I, I asked that question very earnestly. You were surprised, mm. but mm. were you surprised to be surprised? And you said yes. Okay. 
Yes, I, I, I think so. Um, because um, all the more so since it came out of a clear blue sky in the sense that um, after retiring, I had another, I've had another career, sort of very small business career, but a career nevertheless. And it, th there was no continuity between investigating Darwin in any of my business uh, affairs. Um, so it, re it really was something novel to me. Um, and um, I, I surprised myself. Well, yes. you recently, now the book uh, we discuss on this program, your book uh, is Taking yeah. Leave of Darwin. Um, so if anybody's interested in, in what you have to say on the subject, that's the first place they should look, Taking Leave of Darwin. But recently, uh, I believe at stream.org you wrote – no, I'm sorry. Where did you, where did you post your reviews? Evol Evolution News are you referring to? Evolution yeah. News? That, how yes. can I – okay. Evol Evolution, Evolution News. It's pronounced evolution, please. Evolution <laughs> News <laughs> – is it .org? I can't quite remember. Evolution um, News. All, all I know is that you, if you Google it, it'll take you straight right. there. Evolution News. It's an electronic resource. Which yeah. I think is related to the Discovery Institute. But you wrote yeah. three reviews of, of, a, of a raft of books dealing with these subjects, one of which uh, I was flattered to see was my own new book, Is Atheism yes. Dead? So, yep. so let's talk about that. If because pe people want to read uh, what you have to say on this, I recommend they go to Evolution News or Evolution News. Uh, either yep. way, they should go there. But so, what do you say roughly in these in these articles? Yes, it's it's a case of l leverage and leverage. I'm afraid it's <laughs> one of these. Uh... <laughs> Um, well, I was I was looking at, at your book, Is Atheism Dead, uh, along with Stephen Meyer's book, Return of the God Hypothesis, and, some, and something called A God of the Details by Christian Bandia. Um, and um, I was looking at the sort of continuities and uh, the, the, the fact that the, the three of you sort of came out um, against a, a simple sort of idea, uh, received ideas about Darwinism, and uh, sort of forged, your, forged your, your own ways, and I admired that, and I thought that this should, uh, uh, it, this should be foregrounded in some way, which is the reason I decided to do the review. Yeah. Yeah, and in fact, three reviews, and I, I was flattered to be included, as I say, and, and also I, I have to say that when I was writing my own book, I was pleased to see that I came out uh, at a place very similar to, to Stephen Meyer. Uh, you know, Stephen Meyer yeah. has academic credentials that, that I obviously don't. And I was really thrilled to see that, logically speaking, I, I came out roughly where he did, that, that there are three areas of inquiry uh, that, you know, you, you cannot help but be amazed when you see how much evidence there is for a god, for a designer. You cannot help but be sort of shocked that the 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 reigning narrative is still as secular as it is. It seems preposterous given the evidence we have, and you, that's what you write about in these reviews. Yes, that, that, that's right. Um, I think that um, the, the the science. Um, and the, the science obviously is incomplete so far, but the science, whether it's cosmological, microbiological, or whatever, seems to point to an unknown entity, a prime intelligence behind these various phenomena. And um, to, what you have to do, in fact, is, is explain a multi-miracle. 
It's not just some simple thing. You, it's a multi-miracle. And in order to do that, the um, Darwinism seems to be a rather feeble device to try and get, get a handle on, on such huge phenomena. But I, I think, you know, I asked the question of whether you're surprised to be surprised. The, the reason I asked that is because inevitably, when I encounter something astonishing, I am then secondly astonished that I hadn't heard it before. You know, it, it, it's like discovering mm. um, you, you just, just discover something that's that's extraordinary, whether it is whatever aspect of it we're, we're discussing. The, the the second astonishment for me is always how is it possible that everyone doesn't know this? In other words, it's not as though this is some crazy theory. We're talking about things that it seems to me ought to be deep, ought to be seriously established by now. But we still have people uh, in the academic world, certainly in the scientific world, that they are clinging to outdated narratives. It, it, it's not. It's not nineteen. Uh, 11 or 1915, where you can understand why Albert Einstein would be horrified to, to declare the universe has a beginning because he'd be the first one to say it. You can understand his fear at what the scientific establishment would say. Mm-hmm. But it's now mm-hmm. over a century past that. The evidence has been rolling in like breakers uh, through the decades. And most people in the scientific world still seem to be afraid to embrace even the idea of what Stephen Meyer calls the God hypothesis. Mm-hmm. I, 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 do, I do think it's strange. Um, and I, from my own point of view, uh, with, with an agnostic background, I mean, what, what concerns me is the, the, the quality of the science. And the science seems to be tipping me over into thinking there must be some primal intelligence behind such minute ph- phenomena as we're talking about, such irreducible complexity, to use the popular term. Um, so, um, yes, I, I, I would agree with you. I mean, uh, what I would say, I w- I'm surprised by myself. I'm also surprised by two former colleagues of mine, whom, whom I know quite well, who, when having introduced them to my work, um, more or less said, um, oh, well, Darwin has, has disproved all that, um, uh, you know, we, 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 don't, uh, we don't really agree with you. And, you know, I, I'd set it out in such sort of um, open-hearted detail, what I felt. And as, as two sort of friends of mine, I thought they might be a bit more sympathetic. I don't Actually, know whether the Brits are a bit is, more obtuse No, 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 this is the key. This is the key. When we come back, let's pick it up uh, right there. I want to hear that story. Hi. Folks, talking to Neil Thomas. The book is Taking Leave of Darwin. Hey there, folks. I'm talking to Neil Thomas. Uh, his book is Taking Leave of Darwin, a longtime agnostic discovers the case for design. Neil, you were just uh, about to tell us, because I think this is at the heart of all of this stuff, the way people respond to logic, to evidence. When you did this investigation, you as someone who had been known as a longtime agnostic, uh, naturalist, Darwinist, you showed mm-hmm. some colleagues what you found. And you did you say they were dismissive? Were they uh, – were they embarrassed? Were they? Uh, did they feel they had to back away because you'd obviously 
gone crazy? What? How did it? You know, how did um, that play out? Well, they were never less than polite, of course. Of course, you're in um, England. What? What? What could we expect? <laughs> but they were. Um, they were not responsive to what I was having to, to say. Let us put it that way. Um, and um, I remember this, the one lady who's a, re, who's a retired professor of French in, in London, who um, I asked her to do a review for Amazon, and I expected her to, to trot off a few lines um, and not think anything of it. But she um, um, in, instead transferred the, um, the manuscript, the electronic form of, um, to a biology professor who of course <laughs> did not think did not agree with me and so she framed her interpretation in line with what her biologist colleague had said had said instead of actually looking at it with um an unbiased mind let's put it that way i that is my interpretation of what happened um, and, di- and ditto for, for the other gentleman who was a, a former hiking colleague of mine in the Lake District and so on. Um, Did you say good- hiking colleague of mine from the Lake District? Yeah, yeah, that's I'm right. Ge- uh, let me just guess. Me- I'm talking to an Englishman. You are? Hiking colleague of mine from the Lake District. I, uh, I aspire to have hi- hiking colleagues in the Lake District. But So you, <laughs> you appealed to your friend, uh, whom you knew well. Yeah. What was his response? Yeah. Well, his response was to say, um, I, I don't agree with you. Why don't you look at this work by Jared Diamond? Um, and so I dutifully got this book from uh, Amazon, as one does, and I looked at it and I looked at it carefully, but I didn't see it, it, it actually attached to what I was trying to say. He was spinning his own line. Maybe I was spinning my, another line, but we didn't, it, it didn't seem to sort of marry up with what I was trying to say um, because what I was giving was essentially a new démarche, a sort of new approach, and which he didn't seem to sort of appreciate to the extent that I thought he might have, let's put it that way. It, it's interesting uh, that, that you frame it as you do, because this has been my experience as well, that sometimes you, you say something and it's clear as a bell where the logic leads, but the person's oh. response is not, it doesn't seem adequate. In other words, they, they seem to, uh, it's almost as though they get a glassy look on their face, on their, in their eyes, as though they... They can't be seen talking to you or they have to, you know, the idea of that, well, I, this can't be right. I have to, to, to send this to my colleague in the biology department. They, they don't mm. trust themselves. They're afraid to think for themselves. Mm. I, I feel that the, the issue that we're talking about is there's a fear. There's a fear somehow that if you're open to what Stephen uh, Meyer calls the God hypothesis, his book that you review in these articles uh, yeah, at, yeah. at Evolution yeah. News is The Return of the God Hypothesis. If you're open to that, somehow you've gone off. This is not permissible. You've gone outside the lines. So we understand that Albert Einstein felt this uh, in 1911. And in those years, he thought, the science is clearly leading me to believe that the universe had a beginning. That can't Mm. be. That makes Mm. me not a scientist, but somebody with a religious narrative. So I've got to fudge it. And we see this carrying on. This is, I mean, this is effectively the theme of my book, Is Atheism Dead? That, that we've had this secular narrative uh, in the academy roughly since Darwin, and then it trickles down into the culture. But it has now become so established that when you try earnestly, as you did, to, to help people see 
the possibility of this, they they're just uh, they they seem afraid. It would be you know it's like talking to somebody in uh, Stalin's Russia. What do you really think of Stalin? They will back away and say, "I can't have that conversation. I'm sorry." Yes, I mean I think that's a, I think that's a possibility. Whether whether they're afraid, I don't know, or whether they're inhibited, or or whether they're simply brainwashed by decades of uh, a, a sort of liberal idée reçu. Um, I do, do not know. But uh, what I would say with with Einstein, little know I know of him. I have read the book by Max Yammer, written Jammer, it's it, it, pronounced Yammer in German, um, on Einstein's religion, and. Um, Einstein, after trying to cook the books to, you know, to try and establish that there was a sort of steady state, um, he eventually had to concede that, that uh, with Georges Lemaire and so on, that, uh, that, there, that there was an origin of the universe. Um, and after that, I think he became more humble because a lot of his uh, recorded sayings are, you know, that there is a, there is a force beyond which I cannot see, um, you know, I, I might be a world scientist, but I must be humble. So, you know, I, I, that's a little plug for uh, the later Einstein at yeah. any rate. <laughs> well, no, that's quite right. But that's what I find so interesting is that even the great Einstein, I mean, this is why I devote a chapter, the first chapter, I think, of my book to this is that it's astonishing that Einstein, the great Einstein, was mm was cowed by the scientific materialistic establishment to the extent that he was afraid to reveal what he saw plainly. Um, When we come back, we'll talk more about this. Folks, I'm talking to Neil Thomas. His book is Taking Leave of Darwin. I don't think Santa Claus will mind you. He won't have to use a dirty chimney flue. Just bring him through the front door. That's the easy thing to do. I can see. Folks, the book is Taking Leave of Darwin. Uh, University professor Neil Thomas uh, is the author. Uh, He's also recently written um, three uh, essays reviewing uh, a number of books that deal with the issue of God and science and Darwin and the God hypothesis and whether atheism is still tenable. Uh, They're published at uh, Evolution News, so I would recommend that very highly. so we're just talking, um, Neil, about Darwin and what ends up being the Big Bang hypothesis, this idea that the universe began, which mm. most scientists today say, yes, this is established. But we forget, and the reason in my book I devote so much time to it is I myself forgot how this thing that we now take for granted, which is this idea that, oh, the universe began here and it expanded and here we are, that idea was scandalous. It was absolutely scandalous to people uh, until rather recently. Um, yes, I think it was because, the, I mean, the, the very term Big Bang came from Sir Fred Hoyle and it was a term of um, sort of irreverence and almost abuse. Um, because he would prefer to have uh, preferred to have had a steady state universe, which would then not have needed a creator figure. 
I think this was it. And when when Le Maitre and others came out with the idea of the Big Bang, then the, the, the theistic implications could not be um, ignored. And I, I think that was, a, that was a kind of embarrassment to someone in the scientific community. Huge embarrassment. I mean, this is the thing. I mean, the reason I devote so much time to it in my book is I thought to myself, we don't talk about this anymore. We've, that's kind of, you know... Uh, it's it's been um, digested, so to speak, and we've moved on to other things. But, you know, you want to say to someone who uh, purports to believe that there is no God, there can be no creator, we, we reject this hypothesis, we forget what a compelling argument just that is, the idea that, no, the universe did not exist forever. Science has now shown us clearly that it has a starting point, um, mm-hmm. That was an outrage to people. It was an outrage to to Einstein, and he knew it would outrage his colleagues. and And through the decades, people were uh, were afraid of saying yes, the universe has a beginning, because to them the implication was clear. But we seem no longer to be talking about that anymore. Now, now we talk about other things, and somehow I, I don't know mm-hmm. what what I don't know what agnostic or or atheistic. Uh, Scientists say to to that. Uh, do, do they say anything? Do they care? I guess they have many. Well, ideas. I think that uh, the 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 view is that the that the the world created itself by a kind, some kind of preternatural um, automatism. Uh, this is certainly what Peter Atkins, the Oxford um, scientist uh, of a few uh, decades ago, said, and and he, when he when he brought out his his book on the creation. That must be the most immodest title for any book ever, The Creation, back in 1981. And in his revamping of that in 1992, he, he goes back to this idea that, um, that in a sense, the universe created itself. And now, he calls it an agentless act. How on earth you can have an agentless act, um, either in logic or in terms of uh, even the etymology of those terms, is, some, is somewhat lost on me. But that's what he says. And <laughs> but, but that's what, that's what uh, um, uh, in Alan Sandage, uh, he, he figures prominently yeah. in the chapter in my own book, when, when you're talking yeah. about the 20th century and you're talking about the, the evolution of this, this idea of whether the universe had a beginning. And later in life, Sandage, uh, who was, was Jewish by birth and, and uh, eventually became serious about faith in the, in the God of the Bible, what I find oh. interesting is his honesty as a top, top, top scientist calling out the nonsense uh, of, of many of his colleagues who are saying things that were meaningless, things like the universe created itself. We all know that unless you are uh, in, in, a, in a certain world where you don't question those things, most people would say, excuse me, that sounds like nonsense. What do you mean the universe? You're, you're, in other words, you're talking yep. about a, uh, an intelligent universe. Creating, what, what are you saying? Mm. They never say mm. what they're saying. They, they use these terms as a kind of a camouflage, as fig leaves. Mm. But there are many other things like that um, that Alan Sandage refers to. The, the, the yes, big- I mean – Little though I know the detail of Alan Sandage, I know something about him, and I think that he, I think he latterly became of such a in such a secure professional position that he could afford to call out the nonsense of yeah. colleagues. Younger colleagues can't can't do that. You've got to be properly tenured. Uh, you've you've got to have a, a, a momentum of prestige behind you before you feel confident enough to be able to 
to say such things. In my own case, of course, as a retiree, um, uh, then, you know, I can say what I like. Um, but I think other people are far more inhibited, especially if they've got a sort of scientific career to make. Yeah, well, that, that's, I think that's the point. That's really the, the underlying narrative of this conversation is that people are afraid to speak the truth and they have certain strictures that they don't, they don't even question whether those strictures are, are appropriate. They just say, I want to succeed. I don't care so much about truth. I must succeed. And maybe, you know, at some point I can worry about truth. But it's getting, uh, I, I guess the evidence has piled up again. It's the theme, my thesis in the book to such a preposterous level that they're, they're doing backflips, uh, almost literally. To, to make their cases, T- talking about things like the universe creating itself, talking about things like a multiverse theory. I mean, d- did you, do you, uh, can you talk a little bit about the multiverse theory? I find it so uh, well, hilarious. Uh, yes. The multiverse theory is, essentially, is a theory uh, and um, w- without any um, empirical support at all. I mean, it, it, it's, it's been instrumentalized as a theory in order to negate the effects of the, 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 the Earth being an, a Goldilocks zone, an area of uh, sort of cosmically ring-fenced for human life and so on. And the, 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 the multiverse theory is essentially... Um, creating a kind of alternative narrative which, which says that uh, the, the, the Earth just happens to be the winner of the cosmic lottery, you know, that there are all sorts of other places which could have been, but we, we just are. This is chance again coming into it. Yes. But, is, but, but the idea, of course, is that they simply say, it can't be this, therefore it must be this. There's no evidence for the second this, but we don't mm-hmm. care. It must be that. And we declare mm-hmm. that uh, we're going to look into that. Uh, we'll be right back talking to Neil Thomas. His book is Taking Leave of Darwin. He'll have a big fat pack upon his back. And lots of good is for you and for me. So leave a peppermint stick for old Saint Nick. Oh, the weather outside is frightful. But the Folks, I'm talking to Neil Thomas, so author of delightful. Taking Leave of Darwin, and recently at Evolution News. Uh, he reviewed a number of books that deal with um, the, the various theses involved uh, in, uh, in the idea of, of whether there is a creator. I guess uh, I want to ask you, uh, Neil, if you would, this is a shorter segment, but can you talk about the difference between intelligent design uh, as uh, laid out by folks like Stephen Meyer and Michael Behe and what is called theistic evolution? Where, where do you come out in that conversation? Well, I think that the two are links, maybe not at the hip. Um, I, I would prefer to use word like primal intelligence um, in being involved in um, uh, being involved in the sort of intri- intricacies of, um, of of the earth, um, I, I'm not sure whether you can entirely detach them. Um, as I think well, Stephen Meyer himself. Well, what, but what is yeah, the problem that people? There are people in the theistic uh, evolution universe. Mm. 
uh, people like Francis Collins, whom I've questioned about this, who who yeah. seem uncomfortable. They seem as uncomfortable with the with the uh, term intelligent design uh, as you know, as as Fred Hoyle was with the universe having a beginning. They, they seem to blanch. Uh, they seem to want to distance themselves from the ID folks uh, as though they, they've got the plague or something like that. And they say, no, 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 I am a yeah. theistic evolutionist. What do they mean? Well, I, I, in my own case, I think that I have do not have that, say, that problem because oh. um, I, I think that the basic problem is how do you um, how do you explain a series of interlocking miracles? I mean, and uh, having given Darwin his due on this, I, I feel that he his explanations were so childlike and rudimentary um, that they they are not really worth thinking about too seriously. In which case, you have to go back to the drawing board. Well, what does the drawing board t- say? That how do you explain a miracle? You have to explain a miracle by uh, by resort to some kind of preternatural apparatus. Um, I'm not in a position to say what this is, and I'm not I'm not sure anybody else is either. Um, uh, but some kind of primary intelligence. I mean, in the Middle Ages, they they, they use this ter- this term ap- apophatic theology. You know that you can't actually name the precise the precise modalities of whatever this godhead might be, but you can still presuppose that there was something equivalent to that actuating all that we have. Well, l- let's. Uh... I th- I think I mean this is my theory and I'm I just I want to get your your feedback on it. We've just got a, a minute here, but um, and, and I'd love love to keep you over into the next uh, hour if if you can hang on. But what sure. I'm fascinated by is that it seems to me that the theistic evolutionists, people who say I am a Christian, uh, but I believe in Darwin's idea of natural selection through random mutations. It seems mm-hmm. to me that the reason they say that has to do with fear of the secular establishment. In other words, they they know that if they are to say that God somehow intervened in the way that only God could, that if he didn't set things in motion, if he set things in motion and the world was created through uh, Darwin's uh, you know, uh, a theory of natural selection, that's safe. They can handle that. But the idea that there was some other mechanism at work to account, uh, which seems obvious that there had to be, you say it, I say it, we both see it. They say, well, that, that, that can't be, that can't be. We have to go with Darwin. When we come back, we're going to unpack this further, talking to Neil Thomas. The book is Taking Leave of Darwin. Hey, folks, continuing our conversation with Neil Thomas. The book is Taking Leave of Darwin. Uh, Neil, uh, the, the point I was just making what I, that I want your response to is that there are people that still feel that they cannot, God forbid, take leave of Darwin, to quote the title <laughs> of your book. They have to somehow say that it is natural selection via random mutation and natural processes that produced the panoply of creation. And 
what folks like Stephen Meyer and Michael Behe say is, no, the evidence says that theory has to be set aside. And it seems to me that you, too, say that theory has to be set aside. We cannot use Darwin's theory of natural selection to account for how things are the way they are. That's really what you have come to see. So what is some of the evidence for that? In other words, when you say that that's no longer possible, what is it that you've seen in the, in the, the fossil record uh, that makes you say we can no longer uh, have natural selection as our thesis? Well, I mean, I, I think that natural selection um, is not what the Victorians would have understood by a true avera causa, a true reasoning. It is not a mechanism. It is a statistical observation on what typically happens with regard to the, the uh, survival of the fittest and so on. It has nothing to say about in innovation or the creation of new body parts or body types or body uh, forms and so on. Um, and I do feel that those people who try and have the best of both worlds, talking in terms of both um, um, a divine origin plus Darwin, are... Uh, as I say, trying, try, uh, they're trimming and equivocating um, in a way that I think was first po pointed out by a chap called Richard Hofstadter back in 1944 in the first meditation on the uh, reception of Darwin in, in America. That was the title of the book. Um, and he said that most people, in order to be thought um, intelligent, educated and what we might have later said hip, felt that they had to trim their views to coincide with what Darwin said, um, and that any discussion would have a Darwinian premise to it. So even if you were a theistic evolutionist, well, to be a theist, theistic evolutionist, you you might think that you could garner more prestige by throwing a, showing yourself to be a scientist as well by invoking all these subsidiary reasons. But I don't think it coheres. I, I don't think the two come together. Well, there, there's um, there's a group, I don't know if you're familiar with them, called BioLogos, and they are uh, theistic evolutionists and uh, Francis... Collins, recently retired head of NAH here oh. in the States, a public uh, a Christian, he throws his hat in with, with that group and basically mm -hmm. says, listen, you know, effectively, let me have my God. I believe God started everything, yes. but I still believe yeah. that he used random naturalistic processes to create everything. And it seems to me that folks like you and, and others have looked at the scientific facts and said it's no longer possible to believe that that's how all these things got here. We can account for microevolution. We can account mm. for a slight changes, but the idea that random mutations over time would be wildly creative is no longer scientifically sensible. 
Yes, I, 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 I would, I would have to agree with that. Um, simply because I, I find the, the the Darwinian explanation so flimsy, and in so inchoate in a way. Yes, it starts well um, with, uh, as as one uh, distinguished reviewer of the Victorian era said. Yes, I can believe that a weasel becomes a better weasel or a hare becomes a better hare, but that doesn't mean to say the hare is going to change into an elephant. Um, you know, it's it's a, it's a matter of proportionality. Um, you know, Darwin was dealing with the footnotes to um, biological development. It seems to me he wasn't really providing any explanation for the, how the really great and sometimes gigantic innovations of elephants and whales and so on uh, came into being. Well, that's uh, you're you're you're. You're saying what uh, what I have have come to see myself, but I still am astonished that uh, people are so unwilling somehow to to see these things, and that they they see the uh, folks like Stephen Meyer as we, we we can't be associated with the intelligent design gang as though they're alchemists or something like that, and. You, you come to the table without any particular preconceived notions, and mm-hmm. you, you see things for what they are, and you're, you're trying to make sense of it. David Berlinsky is someone who's, who's done the same. He's an agnostic to this day, but he, he doesn't understand how people looking at the facts can say that, you know, we go from single-celled organisms uh, to fish to snakes to dinosaurs, to elephants, to walruses, it it doesn't make mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense once you know the facts. So if you're mm-hmm. if you're, you, I guess the, the larger point is that you realize that if you're Darwin, if you're living in mid uh, Victorian England, it's possible to have a childlike hope that these things will 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 sort themselves out. But now knowing what we do uh, in the third decade of the twenty first century. We can no longer believe these things, but almost all people uh, in the academy still do. Yes, they still do, uh, with, with with some exceptions. I mean, um, the um, uh, some people have come to the conclusion. I think that 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 Anthony Flew, for instance, has had a change of heart. He was a hardcore materialist philosopher at one one time. And then it's simply because of science, because of what the electron microscope can show us, um, which it, which couldn't have shown him, which which couldn't have shown him what what it, what it has to show in his youth and so on, that he has looked at the evidence, and and I respect Anthony Flew because I think he he I didn't know him personally, um, but I think that he was calling it as he saw it, and I wish that more people would follow his example. Well, it is interesting. You'll remember that I uh, I write about him in my book as one of those dedicated atheists who was so thoughtful and dedicated to following where the facts led, uh, where the truth led. Uh, as yes. you often quoted Socrates in that to that uh, in 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 that uh, way, but that he eventually, as did Camus and Sartre, reason his way through the thicket. Uh, into mm. the inevitable conclusion toward the inevitable, that, that, that there had to be some God. We can debate the nature of that God, mm. but he no mm. longer... But the way he was attacked 
by people when he came to this conclusion. Oh, yeah. Uh, again, yes. tells you we're dealing with something that really it's beyond logic. I think that's it, that's that's worth saying that that the response is not uh, a, a logical response. It seems to be animated by something else. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's animated by the um, the sort of Cartesian ambition, uh, the Newtonian ambition to see all of life as, be, as, as coming into a sort of mechanistic paradigm of things. Um, but the trouble is that modern science um, and um, quantum theory and uh, theories about consciousness and the brain, which have got nowhere essentially, indicate that there are areas which cannot be accessed by any sort of mechanistic and purely mathematical uh, methods of approach and so on. So uh, I think that some, there's, a something, there's something of a lag between people's scientific knowledge that um, they're not actually taking on board um, w- w- recent advances in the in the last fifty years, or maybe more especially twenty five years. Uh, we're out of time. Very sad to say, Neil Thomas. Always a delight to speak with you. Thank you so much. Congratulations on the book, Taking Leave of Darwin. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much yourself. Thank you. Been an awful good girl, Santa baby, so hurry down the chimney tonight.